0: Welcome to the Shift Gold, Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, February 19th. I'm your host, Mike Maharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, it's been another tough week for gold. There have been more of those than not over the last few weeks. The yellow metal had a big sell-off midweek, and where we were solidly above $1,800 an ounce last Friday, we're solidly below that level today. In fact, uh, we've seen gold dip below the 1775 support level. Now, silver hasn't dropped over the last several weeks to the same extent as gold, but it has never recaptured that momentum that it had when the Reddit people shined the spotlight on it a few weeks ago. It's holding on to $27 an ounce, but just barely. So right now, you know, everything is shining: stocks, commodities. What in the heck is going on with gold? Now, honestly, I'm not afraid to say I don't really know. I know the what the fundamentals tell me. I know what the monetary and the government policy tell me, but I don't know why other people aren't seeing it. But I will speculate a bit. I do think Bitcoin is stealing some of the thunder from precious metals right now. A lot of folks who recognize the problems inherent in fiat currencies are fans of cryptocurrency. And so, you know, it makes sense that we would see people moving into that, especially given the fact that Bitcoin pushed above $50,000 this week. Now, I... I'm not nearly as negative on crypto as Peter Schiff is, but I wouldn't put all of my eggs in that basket. I mean, I wouldn't put all of my eggs in any basket. When it comes to the gold versus crypto debate, my answer is generally, why not both? I think any and all competing currencies are a good thing. I like competition, so why not competition in money? But I've honestly always seen the value of Bitcoin more in its potential as a means of transaction as opposed to a store of value. Now, I'm not saying it can't do both, but when I'm thinking store of value, I want something that I can hold, something that has, well, value. There will always be demand for gold and silver, regardless of their monetary role. Gold and silver are rare, and they are highly sought after for jewelry, investment, and industrial applications. And I think people overlook the industrial applications, particularly with silver. Bitcoin, of course, is rare. But I can't do anything with it. I can't hold it in my hand. I I can't do anything with it other than use it as money. Whether folks want to hear this or not, it is effectively a fiat currency. It's a way better fiat currency than the dollar, that's for sure. But I just don't have faith in it as a long-term store of value. I see it more as a speculative asset, and I like its potential, again, as a means of transacting business. Uh, I love blockchain. The other thing that makes me a little bit nervous about crypto is that it's dependent on the power grid internet access and to some degree at least for some people who are investing in it out in the mainstream third party platforms. Now we've seen in Texas this week what can happen to the power grid. We've seen how quickly people can be canceled on the internet. I don't want to have all of my wealth tied up in an electronic currency and end up in a situation without electricity. Now I'm not really a prepper, but I do think about such things. I live in Florida. We have hurricanes. I hold a lot of silver simply because I know that in the worst case scenario, I'll be able to barter with it. So that's my little spiel on Bitcoin. I don't talk about it a lot on this show because this is the Friday gold wrap, not the Friday crypto wrap. But again, I'm not anti-crypto, and so you don't have to send me letters to try to convince me how great Bitcoin is. Uh, I I own some Bitcoin, but I just think it's foolish to think it will replace gold and silver. Honestly, I want both. Regardless, I don't think the rise of BTC is the only reason gold and silver have languished. I think to some degree, it's a victim of conventional wisdom right now. I think a lot of investors think we're going to get this massive stimulus and the economy is going to take off. In fact, I think some people believe that the economy is already taking off. We do see some positive economic data. But, you know, we should see some positive economic data given that we're moving hopefully past this whole pandemic business and we're seeing people ease off of these lockdowns. Of course, we're going to see some improvement in economic numbers. But are we really on the cusp of a great economic expansion? A lot of people think so. They see long-term bond yields going up and they think the Fed is going to turn to tightening so sooner than anybody thinks, and so they're selling gold. I had an exchange with a guy on Facebook this week. He's some kind of economic analyst for Koch Industries, so a pretty mainstream dude, I guess. But anyway, we were talking about the rising price of oil. You know, It pushed above $60 a barrel this week. Now, the conversation started when I commented on his post that I think a lot of the big rise in the oil price is due to inflationary pressure. Well, he completely disagreed with me. He said it's all due to increased demand because we're in the midst of this big recovery and the fact that supply is still constricted. Now, I think there is some truth to this. The economy is certainly in better shape now than it was last spring when oil dropped to, what, $20 a barrel. But I disagree with his overall assessment. If oil was the only commodity spiking in price, this argument would be more compelling. But commodities across the board are rallying. I've talked about this in past episodes. Agricultural commodities are up. We have beans in the teens. I'm talking about soybeans. You know That was a mantra back in the days of hyperinflation. It was a sign of inflation, beans in the teens. And look at lumber. Lumber prices hit an all-time record high Friday, rising 10% last week alone. They have more than doubled since February 2020. Now again, some of this is due to market conditions. There's a lot of home construction right now, which incidentally is a, a, lot, a product of the Fed keeping interest rates artificially low. But when you see broad-based rise in commodity prices, to me that screams inflation. And that's exactly what we're seeing today, except for gold and silver. But this guy didn't see it that way. In fact, when I mentioned the rise in commodities generally, he completely ignored my comment. But he did say that he expects, quote, the dollar to continue to strengthen as the U.S. emerges from the economic downturn sooner and stronger than Europe. Europe and developing nations, he said, are struggling to acquire vaccines and will likely see their economies and currencies struggle for longer and perform relatively poorly. Now, again, you know, I, I, I can understand where he's coming from. But what I'm not buying is this whole big economic recovery thing. I've said before, I think the U.S. economy is certainly going to look better this year and into next year than it did last year, assuming we don't have more lockdowns or or things like that. But I don't see this grandiose recovery. I mean, did you see the weekly jobless claims? Another big number last week, 861,000. And they revised the previous week up from, I think it was 793,000 to 848,000. There are still 4.5 million Americans on unemployment. This doesn't scream recovery to me. Now, regardless, I think a lot of people think there is going to be a big recovery. I mean, that's, you know, this guy that I was talking to on Facebook is a prime example. I see it all the time. And you know why they think this? Stimulus. We're going to borrow and spend our way to prosperity. Needless to say, I find this preposterous. And if it's stimulus that's going to drive this recovery, selling gold is even dumber. Because that means even more inflation. And as I've said over and over on this show, the Fed cannot fight inflation. As much as the mainstream wants to believe that the Fed is going to tighten sooner than expected, that we're going to have this recovery and the Fed is going to reverse policy, it ain't going to happen. They couldn't tighten after 2008 when the Fed balance sheet was just over $4 trillion. We're over $7 trillion now with more monetization coming down the pike to uh, deal with the debt that's going to be associated with the stimulus. Bond yields are already tanking and the Treasury hasn't even started stimulus borrowing yet. The yield on the 10-year is flirting with 1.3%. In fact, it was briefly above that this week. It was just last month that the yield hit 1% for the first time since COVID. In other words, the 10-year yield is up 30% in just one month. That's a huge move in the world of bonds. Meanwhile, last Friday, the uh, 30-year yield eclipsed 2%. But even with the big rise in interest rates, the only markets that seem to be feeling the effects are gold and silver. It's this old knee-jerk reaction, and it's kind of weird if you think about it. I mean, if people really believe that the Fed is going to tighten sooner than expected, why is the stock market still going up? I mean, the stock market should roll over on that news uh, even more than gold and silver again it's this knee-jerk reaction a tanking bond market signals a great recovery interest rates are going up so sell your gold because the fed is going to tighten to fight inflation i can't say this emphatically enough the fed is not going to fight inflation it cannot let rates rise in fact it's going to have to print more money to buy more bonds to monetize more debt i mean the fed is telling us this We got the minutes from the January FOMC meeting this week. The Reuters headline tells you everything that you need to know. Fed minutes show willingness to steer past coming jump in inflation. I mean, how much more clear can it get? Here's how Reuters put it. Federal Reserve officials last month debated how to lay the groundwork for the public to accept higher inflation with a jump in some prices expected this spring. Quote, and this is quoting from the uh, Minutes, many participants stress the importance of distinguishing between such one-time changes in relative prices and changes in the underlying trend for inflation. So let me translate this Fed speak for you. We aren't going to do crap about inflation, and we're going to launch a nifty little public relations campaign to convince you that rising prices aren't really inflation here's a little more from the reuters report this is pretty juicy if you ask me a number of participants said they saw such price increases in the horizon for goods quote whose production has been subject to supply chain constraints or soon could be others anticipated that a possibly abrupt return to normal levels of activity could result in one time increases in certain prices end quote so prices are going to go up again i'm translating fed speak for you here they're saying hey we're afraid uh prices are going to go up whether it be supply chain constraints or abrupt return to normal levels but don't you worry your little head because it's not inflation because well to be honest it can't be inflation because if it is we can't do anything about it you know it's funny they they have told us for years that rising prices that's the only thing we have to worry about with inflation when we all know that really Printing money out of thin air is in itself inflation. Now they're kind of reversing course. and They're going to tell us, oh, no, no, no. Rising prices aren't inflation. So, I mean, sell your gold if you want to. But I think you'll be sorry down the road because this policy is unsustainable. As I said last week, the Fed is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Listen to last week's show. I go through this in pretty... uh, pretty thorough detail. It can't let rates rise because the whole economy and this so-called recovery is all predicated on debt and artificially low interest rates, specifically the national debt. That means we just keep printing money. The question that I can't answer is when does all of this money printing collapse the dollar? I don't know. But again, fundamentals. Uh, I've said this before too. Economics always wins in the end. Real quick before I close out the show, I want to mention a report from the World Gold Council that came out this week. It highlights four key reasons that gold can enhance your portfolio. The focus is really on gold as a portfolio diversifier, which goes back to my comments on Bitcoin. You don't want all of your eggs in any one basket. The four reasons the WGC gives uh, for gold are as follows. Returns, diversification, liquidity, and portfolio performance. You know, we think of gold as an inflation hedge, and it definitely lives up to that expectation if you look at its past performance. Gold's average annual return of 11% in US dollars over the past 50 years has outpaced the US and world consumer price indices. Gold does even better in extremely high inflation environments. In years when inflation was higher than 3%, the price of gold increased 15% per year on average. so uh, As Peter Schiff said in a podcast this week, inflation is good for gold and high inflation is even better for gold. Gold has offered solid returns as well. The yellow metal has actually outperformed many investment classes. Since 1971, gold's long-term return is comparable to equities and higher than bonds. There's a chart in the report that shows this. I'll link to uh, what I wrote about the report in the show notes page, and it has some of these charts in it. Check it out. The bottom line is the World Gold Council analysis concluded that allocating a portion of a portfolio to gold improves overall performance. Quote, our analysis of investment performance over the past 5, 10, and 20 years underlines gold's positive impact on an institutional portfolio. It shows that the U.S. pension fund average portfolio would have achieved higher risk-adjusted returns and lower drawdowns if 2.5%, 5% 5%, or 10% were allocated to gold. Again, you can check out the report. They have charts that show this as well. If you want to learn more about how gold and silver, I should add, can fit into your investment strategy, how it can enhance your portfolio, I highly recommend talking to a shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist. You can do that just by calling 1-888-GOLD-160. You can shoot them an email at info at These guys are great, very knowledgeable. They can look at your individual situation, your investment goals, and tell you how physical gold and silver can fit into your investment strategy. So get in contact with them today. I highly recommend it. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes, uh, on Stitcher, a couple other places, Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links to all of that are in the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show, and I'll talk to you again next week.